Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, pubiet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a wonderful, wonderful show for you today with an outstanding guest. World traveler Luke Kenyon joins the show. How many countries have you visited? If you're from America, chances are very few. In a 2019 Forbes article, there were some amazing numbers at just how little Americans actually travel. In that article, it focused on a survey conducted by one poll, and it showed that 11% of the survey respondents had never even traveled outside of the state in which they were born, 13% had never even flown in an airplane, and 40% had never even left the country. In another article from Hostel World Global Traveler, it was found that the average UK resident has visited 10 countries, Germans on average 8, and French 5, with America coming in of a lowly average of only 3 countries, and almost 30% had never been abroad. For Australian Luke Kenyon, the idea of traveling and exploring was introduced in his life at an early age, starting with cross-country trips across Australia. Those initial family cross-country trips fostered a mindset of of adventure, instilling a desire in Luke to visit every country in the world. And thus far, he has accomplished 94 countries. Luke credits much of his travel for FOMO, fear of missing out. If he hears someone else talking about an experience, he immediately wants to do the same. He finds beauty in every country, and with that, it enables him to push the norm and visit locations that many people overlook or choose to ignore. With 94 countries on his belt, Luke was someone I had to chat with, and I was excited to learn more about his travel lifestyle and what's a big surprise to many is that he's not a digital nomad. He is someone with a regular 9-to-5 job who prioritizes and optimizes his vacations, and he takes pride in traveling efficiently. Not surprisingly, Luke and I chatted for a long time, which means our conversation will be broken up into two episodes. Now, in the first half, we chat about why FOMO has been such a motivation for him. We also talk about some of his memorable experiences with wildlife, and there's one in Africa that is simply remarkable. And on today's episode, Luke and I discuss why he loves to push the norm. The second half of our conversation will be featured on our next episode, number 383. Until then, I'm super excited for everyone to meet Luke. At the end of the day, when it comes to traveling, we all want stories to tell. And Luke's got an infinite amount, and I was honored to have him as a guest. Thrilled for everyone to meet him, so let's go ahead and bring on world traveler Luke Kenyon. And let's learn. But yeah, like I work full time. It's not like I, I'm a digital nomad or anything like that. I just like work full time, have a nine to five job, but I just try to maximize my holidays, try to take sort of five to six weeks off a year. Um, we've got a lot of public holidays in Australia, so I try to maximize my leave around public holidays. Um, but I'm also very creative. And when I finished high school, I wanted to be a designer, but then I realized I was a very bad designer. And so then I found Instagram a few years ago in photography, and that's when I sort of went, I can use that as my creative outlet. Um, and then I started and I started getting more followers, and people started to ask me questions, and I'm like, oh, okay, that was awesome. Um, I don't really get I don't really get much from my Instagram account. I do it for fun. Anything I get from it is just a bonus. The world needs people like you who do maximize vacations and who maximize the importance of living. When was it that you first? really got into traveling. What was it that first inspired you to get out and explore the world? Well, I, the first memory I have was when I was in primary school. And I remember one kid came back from America and he came back with the Disney years and he came back with all the Disney merchandise. And I'm like, where have you been? He goes, I went to America. And I went, what? And there's a kid you don't really know about much. And you know, it's 
faraway place and he came back with all these new basketball shoes and basketballs and, and I was I went home that day and said dad I want to go to Disneyland <laughs> and I got super jealous and I remember my dad said to me he goes you're not going to America you're not going to America until I show you all of Australia oh. we've got one of the best countries in Australia and I want to take you to all our states and all the territories and then once we've done that I'll take you overseas and I re- that's the first memory I have of wanting to travel. And to my dad's credit, he did that. For the next sort of probably 10 years, we bought a four-wheel drive and he took us all around Australia. Wow. We did some massive treks. Um, people don't realise the size of Australia. Yeah. It is very similar to the landmass of the US, mm-hmm. uh, minus Alaska and a few things, a little bit smaller. But we drove from the bottom to the top and back again in two weeks. And that's with mum, dad, my brothers and sisters in a time in a, in a car. Wow. Um, and we did that regularly, two to three times a year. So there's not much of Australia I haven't seen, which is awesome. Wow. And then when I was around 16, 17, dad went, honored his promise and said, you've seen Australia, I'm going to take you to Europe. Um, so he took, the, took us all over to Europe for about two or three weeks, uh, did the main countries like your England, your France, your Germany's and so forth. And that's just, I loved it, loved it so much that as soon as I finished um, university, I did the usual thing of got a backpack and just went over to Europe. And I lived over there for two years, Um, was over there with my ex-girlfriend at the time, and we saw everything. Um, Living off 30 euros a day, um, we did it all. Um, And then that that started the travel bug. And then since then, I've just, every year, tried to do two to three trips a year. Incredible. Wow. So much there. First of all, what an amazing thing that your father did there by presenting you saying, hey, let me show you Australia first. I think that's fantastic. What were some of your favorite memories exploring your own country? Oh, wow. Um, I think the best trip was when we went from Melbourne all the way to Darwin and back again in two weeks. And usually people do that over a couple of months. And we did that in two weeks because my dad had a pretty professional job and time poor. And we were doing 12-hour days in the car in 45 degree heat like that's just ridiculous we had a tide burst on us because it was that hot um just seeing the landscape change from desert to rainforest um that was one of my first memories for me as a child just seeing that how diverse australia is um living in the city you often don't realize that we're 80 percent desert in australia um for me that was one of the biggest memories and just going along all these constant beach holidays along the coast. We've got some of the best beaches in Australia and just going on beach, beach hopping. Um, yeah, loved it. But what's the key for a child or a teenager to drive long hours and journey across the desert lands of the central Australia? What's the key in remaining sane during that trip? <laughs> these days it's got an iPad. <laughs> um, but, but back in those days, I remember vivid playing games like just getting uh, in Australia we call them lollies I think you guys call them sweets but just like the little wrappers we said like rip the wrappers to make who can make the longest wrapper string yeah it sounds really strange but that's what we did you did strange um, things yeah I played I spy <laughs> um, you know what I can't actually remember but I was never bored um, I've always had my window or my eyes over to the window just looking at the landscape um, Listen to a lot of music. I think I remember just playing old music and sing-alongs and sounds a bit weird, but yeah. 
Well, who would have thought that a student coming home with Disney ears inspired this life of travel that progressed into now one of your goals is to see every country on the planet. I am still the same person that I was as a child. I get FOMO. When I'm on Instagram or I talk to somebody at a bar and they said, I've just been to this country or this spot, I get massive FOMO. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, bang, all right, I'm going there. Yeah. And so I get a lot of my inspiration from talking to people. And that's why I love things like Instagram. I follow various hashtags and I see something, whether it's a waterfall or a glacier, yeah. and I want to go. Um, yeah. So is that FOMO, which I have a severe case of as well, is the FOMO what helps you plan for your next trips? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had, uh, obviously during COVID, I actually had three trips planned. Um, and two of those trips were based on things I saw on Instagram. And I just got massive FOMO. One of it was to go to Patagonia and do all the hiking down in Chile and Argentina. And I just saw the, the glaciers and the hiking that people were doing down there. And I'm like, I'm going there. Yeah. And I, and I saw that and I think it was within three or four weeks, I had a whole trip and the itinerary planned and booked. And it's just purely for me seeing things on Instagram. So how many countries thus far have you achieved? Uh, 94. 94. 94. And I was on track to do 100 before COVID. And, and three and, yeah. what type of traveler are you? What I mean is, are you someone who, hey, we'll figure it out when we get there. There's tons of things we can do when we get there. Or are you planning everything out? And then are you also someone who needs to be doing something when you're there? For instance, you're going to Patagonia to hike. Maybe you're going to New Zealand to surf. You're only going to a specific location to do an activity. What type of traveler are you? Yeah. So I work full time. So I only get like four or five weeks and you'll leave a, a year. So when you've got that, these kind of restrictions, you've got to be a bit of a planner. Okay. You've got to sort of have a rough idea of what you want to do. You've got to have sort of, uh, I fly everywhere. I don't have time to do long bus journeys and so forth because I need to maximize my time over there. Um, so my friends laugh at me. I'm a big spreadsheet guy. Love it. Me too. <laughs> and I defeats the purpose of sometimes people go, you're not a little traveler then. I'm like, no, I am a traveler because I'm maximizing <laughs> my time in that country. I've researched restaurants. I've, re I've, I've, booked, I've made bookings at the best restaurants. I love food. I love drinking and I love adventures. And sometimes you just need to plan that in advance if you want to get a table at the best restaurant in town. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have flexibility. Like I do, you know what I mean? I go to a place and I'll have three days and stuff like that where I'll, where I'll surf all day or go for a hike. But there's certain things that I will book just so I don't miss out. I don't want to go to a country and miss out on something because I didn't book something. Have you ever planned along specific events and or holidays? Like, hey, I'm, I really got to get to Singapore for the new year or a specific sporting event or anything like that? Oh, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, Patagonia, that, the hiking season is very small, a mm -hmm. couple of months. So you have to sort of plan that in advance. So I booked that nearly over a year in advance just so I make sure I got to this Patagonia for that hiking season. I'm a big sport fan. I love it. And I try to do as much as I can. I don't necessarily go somewhere purely for a sporting event, mm -hmm. but if there's a sporting event there, I'll, I'll go there. Okay. And I've been to heaps. I've been to Wimbledon. I've been to the French Open. Ah. I've been to Formula Ones in three different countries because wow. um, I, I love sport. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're not, not really, no. Now, I want to ask you what your favorite locations are because that, that would be impossible to choose. I'm sure you've got 90 favorite countries. You've got 90 favorite flags that you have been able to experience firsthand. But I, I am curious on the, the locations that have the strongest emotional hold on you for whatever reason, the ones that you still wake up and you think, man, that was a, that was a great day. That's a good question. That's a very good question because 
I always get asked, what's your favourite location? And, I, and I'm not a big fan of that question. Generally, the, my answer is, is generally my last holiday I went on because yeah. that's the one that's strongest in my memory. But your question is awesome because a couple of the countries have grabbed me and I still hold a bit of a, in my heart and my mind. And a couple of them uh, is Rwanda. Oh, wow. So I was in Rwanda, for, I was going to say a couple of years ago, but maybe five years ago now, four years ago, and spending time with the gorillas. So going up, hiking through the uh, rainforest, and we were so lucky. Um, I was put in the extra fit category, which meant that you have to walk longer. But that night, the gorillas had walked a lot, a lot, and so they're basically at the edge of the rainforest. So it was great. We didn't have to walk through that much mud to witness these amazing gorillas. And we were told that we must maintain, I think, five, ten metres distance. We had to, but the gorillas didn't. And I remember watching these gorillas. Um, they were about five, ten metres ahead of, in front of us. But we, we weren't aware that there was gorillas behind us. <laughs> and this gorilla came and started... So I felt like there's someone pushing me behind. I'm like, someone's pushing me. I'm like, no, 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 I'm taking photos. I turned it around. The gorilla was pushing me. <laughs> and there was a mum with a baby and I got out of her way and she walked by, gave me a nice smile. The baby gave me a huge grin and I was just like, what? Like I had my camera in my hand and I literally could not take a photo. I was just like, wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Um, yeah, and just seeing like the silverback and the way he, he interacted with the troop as well was just amazing. Um, that was one. The other one that really got me was it was when I went to Bhutan. Mm, wow. If you ask 100 people where Bhutan is, I reckon one out of 100 would actually know it was a country and where it is. I've been wanting to go there for years. Back in school, when I was 16, we had a Bhutan um, student exchange where a person from Bhutan stayed with us and she told us a lot about her country. And ever since then, I wanted to get there. But it's challenging to get there because they've got a lot of guidelines. They, they monitor tourism and it, some people think it's expensive. But I, got, I went there after trekking the Himalayas and it's just really special. That's how spiritual it is, how nice the people are, how untouched it is, how clean it is. There's no garbage. It's a bit of a weird place as well. Like I've, I've been to North Korea and it felt a little bit like North Korea, but not. Ah. It's, that for me was really special. And then the next one is North Korea. I was ah. there about four or five years ago. Um, and a lot of the things you see and hear in the media is true. A lot of the other things... I struggled to see. I don't know whether they hid it or from us from what we saw. But I was told I wasn't allowed to go for a walk by myself. I did it. I went for a walk, kind of chatted to the locals. Nothing happened to me. Um, I was told that I wasn't allowed to go into shops before I went there. I was walking around going to shops, buying things, yeah. uh, things like that. Like I like to push it a little bit, not push it legally, but... I want to break the norm and the stigma of what people think they see in media. And I like to then disprove that and then put that on my social medias and educate people. Um, I do a lot of TripAdvisor uh, reviews and Google reviews to also help that debunking those myths as well. Because what you see in the media and hear in the media is often not true. Sometimes it is and often it is. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that these kind of places are, 
uh, are correct in a lot of the ways they treat people and stuff like that. But North Korea is a very bad example there. But there are a lot of other countries where people have these misconceptions, especially Australia. People think that we've got crocodiles and snakes everywhere. <laughs> I've been living in Australia all my life, and I think I've seen three or four snakes in my whole life. And I do a lot of hiking. I, I swim with crocodiles, um, the, salt, the freshwater ones anyway. That ain't hurt you. The saltwater ones will kill you. But um, I was diving with sharks only three weeks ago in the Great Barrier Reef. Um, that ain't eat you. The great white sharks do, but not most of the sharks are harmless. And humans kill more sharks than sharks kill us. And it's sort of that balance. And then, yeah, sorry, I'm rambled there a bit. I am loving every moment of this rambling, by, by all means. First of all, I got to tell you, I have major, major, major FOMO on the North Korea. I, I have that at the top of my list of places that I'd love to get to. And we might be one and the same on this, but for me, I like going to atypical places, places that aren't traditional. I like going to places that when someone says, where is that a country? Like you mentioned Bhutan, people not knowing it. Where, or my favorite response would be, why? Why are you going there? So for you, do you feel that say, and I know the answer is yes, because the places you've listed are already kind of atypical places. So what's your philosophy on that? Easy. It's, I've had this philosophy for the whole time, right? I don't have kids yet. I want to have kids one day. And I want to do all the adventure stuff now. Yes, yes. But I want to be able to take those risks because once you have had kids, it's going to be 20, 30 years until you can start doing it again. Um, so you're right. I want Every year, I tick off one or two weird places. Love it. And I get the question, why, all the time. So I took a couple of friends to Bhutan and uh, Nepal that we did here for trekking and awesome. And I, then I was looking at the map going, Bangladesh is next door, basically. Let's go to Bangladesh. <laughs> yes, yes, I love you. <laughs> and my friends were like, why are we going there? Yeah. They don't have, why don't we go to Thailand instead? Because we can go to, we can go to the beach, drink buckets and have a party. I'm like, you can do that. I'm going to Bangladesh. Yeah. Um, and they're like, but no one goes there. It's a, it's a crap hole, yeah. um, supposedly. And I went, you know what? I can find beauty in every single country. Yeah, I thought. And we, did. And, we and I took the guys. We we're only there for five days. Yes, there's. It's pretty bad. The pollution is potentially the worst in the world. But we found out these boat builder yards with the best sunsets. Um, Bangladesh also has the world's longest beach that most people don't realise. Yeah. It's a bit not the best beach in the world, but things like that. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I was out with my friend last night for his birthday, and he still still doesn't know why we went to Bangladesh. He doesn't get it. But for me, I loved it. Um, for me, it's about visiting every country in the world and I want to find the beauty out of each of these countries. I can't tell you how much I admire you. <laughs> I mean, it's such an important philosophy and gosh, I love that too. And I always tell people a similar story. It's like Italy always be there, right? Italy is such a family trip. Italy is almost like, like you said, going to Disney. And when you have a family, it'll be more easy to do that but it won't be easy to take a family in north korea so i i'm like you let's get the crazy ones out of the absolutely, way out absolutely. of the way now in australia we're so blessed with all these pacific islands like your fiji's and yeah. things like that i haven't been to any of them i've been to new caledonia but they're the things you can go on with the family exactly go for, for a week vacation and it's you're in the resort having a good time but i hate resorts i i, I hate people who stay in resorts stay with the locals i mean and stay and Stay in a, and I have a philosophy, stay in a, in a crap hotel, yeah. stay in a crap Airbnb, stay in a crap backpackers because it forces you out. Yes. You don't want to sit around, lounge around in a, in a hotel all the time. You want to have breakfast, lunch, dinner outside. 
You want to be able to go to the beaches, go for walks. If you stay somewhere nice, you're just going to stay there and relax. Exactly. Um, so that's a big philosophy of mine. But you're correct. I haven't been to some countries like Canada, Greece, and they're like, they're staples in a lot of people's trouble. But yeah. I'm like, they won't change. You know, well, places like um, Afghanistan or um, where are the other places? I haven't been there, by the way. I tried to go to Afghanistan, got rejected. Iran, Iraq, they're for me things I want to go to like now. That's just incredible. And I love the mindset. In regards to staying at places that are more affordable, I'm never in the room anyway when I travel. And sleep is the same at an $8 hostel with 12 snoring roommates or a $500 a night resort. I get the same amount of sleep. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I agree. And I just say to people all the time, sleep at home. I don't, yes, like I, yes. When I'm at home, I need my eight hours, right? I get grumpy. Yeah. If I don't when I travel, I literally live off five to six yeah. hours sleep a day. You're jet lagged anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And then when, I, when I'm on a bus or a train, I have a little nap here and there. But just go. Don't yeah. waste time traveling. Like I work nine, nine to five, 48 weeks a year. Maximize your time overseas. Relax, relax at home. I agree. I'm in the same mindset as well. You mentioned a memorable, just unforgettable experience while in Rwanda with gorillas. And that was with the local animals. But what about the local people or random strangers that you've encountered along the way? What have been some of the most memorable ones there? Because I know for me that one of my favorite travel memories is someone that I met at a random hostel from another country. And the hours upon hours we stayed in the pub chatting about politics of each other's country. And that's one of the most memorable travel experiences. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I always do that. So whether you get drivers, bus drivers, people yeah. at the bus stations, etc. But one that comes to my mind, and it's quite a funny story. I was traveling with my dad through these stands, um, so Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, yeah. and we went along the Afghanistan border, tried to get in. But we're in Tajikistan, and we're pretty close to the Afghanistan border, and we got pulled over at a checkpoint by all these armed guards who were convinced we were smuggling something. <laughs> um, then they started accusing me of smuggling Viagra. And I'm like, no, I'm not smuggling Viagra. That. But anyway, this went on for a while about what are you doing here? What are you smuggling? Then eventually they realized that we're just a couple of Australians who just traveling. And then they said, you must wait here for the commander in their broken English. And so this huge military figure turned up and then just hops in our car. And we're like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> and he has this huge gun, a huge machete. And then they just said, drive. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> um, and he didn't speak much English at all. But eventually we just kept on driving with this commander or whatever, or general in our car. And eventually we worked out that we're just driving him home. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in a village another 50 k's down the road. And we basically took him to his village. And it turned from a bit of a hostile situation to a really lovely situation where he wanted us to meet his wife and he wanted to cook dinner and we started talking in broken English and sign language. And for me, that was just, my dad and I were literally shitting ourselves, going, oh my God, what's happening? We've got this guy in the back of a car to being open, open arms to this beautiful lunch, et cetera, with this commander. Um, the unfortunate thing was, because of this whole hassle, we had to say no to the lunch because we had to be somewhere. We had two more hours driving uh. to be at the next checkpoint because we were doing a car rally. And it was getting dark quickly, and it was, and he, was, and then he got really offended that yeah. we had to say no. But he understood, and we had a hug, we had a 
shared some cigarettes because when he traveled in these countries, he'd give people a lot of cigarettes. And it was just a memorable moment. And my dad and I still talk about that story all the time. I'm going to talk about that story all the time. That's, that's incredible. That first 10 kilometers, what was that like? How much tension was in the car? Were you talking? Were you listening to music? What, what were those first moments like? It was a very, very long 10 or so minutes. I can remember that. <laughs> we, the dad and I like looking at each other, but trying not, <laughs> not to be suspicious. But like anything, when you travel, and my dad taught me this, it's just be confident. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're not, a, if you don't, if you look like you're nervous or you shouldn't be there, that's when tr- trouble comes to you. Yep. So if you're walking down the street and you're lost, don't pretend. Don't look like you're getting lost. Okay. Yeah. Walk with confidence, with your head high, and um, it's the same. And that's what we did. We just did it with confidence. And eventually, I think that obviously grew on him. And then he started pulling out photos out of his pocket, showing his family. Um, cigarettes go a long way. Like I said, like we gave him a couple of cigarettes. And even though I don't smoke, I still gave him a, I always bring, have a packet. Yeah. And then that sort of broke the ice. Um, but yeah, that was, it was such a lot of fun. That's, that's, that's outstanding, Luke. <laughs> wow. You're going to have a ton of answers on this. How's your life been augmented by travel? I know. <laughs> where do you begin, right? Oh, man, where do I begin? What do I, uh... um, one is like, I, tr- I think it's taught me to be a little bit more patient. I can often be a little imp- impatient, but when you travel and you're in a weird country, language is, a, is hard, and I don't speak another language. Uh, it's very rude of me, I don't speak English, but I struggle. I've tried to learn Spanish, I've tried to learn Chinese, Italian, French, and I struggle. And so, and I know I, I, I've got to make sure that I don't, you got to be patient with people as well because they're getting impatient with you as well. So using your fingers, communicating in other ways, I should say. So most communication isn't done verbally. It's done physically and, and, and your eyes and so forth. And so that's what it's taught me as well. Um, even during COVID, all these Zoom meetings and stuff like that, you're just losing communication because a lot of time you want to talk to people, it's, it's using your hands, using your eyes using your body. So that sort of taught me that. Mm. But the other thing about it's done, it, it, it's taught me to savor every moment, even in Australia. Um, even every weekend and every time I have time off in Australia, I'd always, I said, well, what are we doing? I need to do an adventure. I need to go see my own backyard. Mm. I always want to make sure that I'm living life to the fullest. Um, whether it's camping, hiking, even just going for a walk into a, an area or location in my own country, or own city, I haven't seen. So for me, it's just taught me to always just be moving. Well, I want to tag on along to something you just mentioned there, and we talked about this earlier, was over the last year, with international travel being restricted in so many ways, you went out and explored areas of Australia, in your own backyard, which I think is a thing that many people have been doing over the last 12 months. So during that time, what were some of the locations that you were super surprised why have I not visited this before? Because this is pristine. This yeah. is excellent. Yeah, like I did a few re- repeat locations I did as a kid and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which were really cool. But the biggest one was was far north Queensland. Okay. So Australia, which was just recently, correct? That was just recently. Yeah, I, absolutely, three months ago. So I went up to Port Douglas, and I've been to Port Douglas before, but I never sort of ventured outside of that. 
we jumped in a van for about a week and we just traveled around and I was shocked. Number one, I didn't realize that the Australia's longest waterfall was there. Mm. Um, and that was just spectacular. And there was all these beautiful watering holes and waterfalls and it's just luscious, luscious rainforests. There's these old um, castles out there as well that was built by this, um, I think it was a German guy, 100 years ago. And it's like literally a castle in the middle of the jungle of rainforest in, in, in Australia. And I'm like, I didn't realize this existed. Yeah. Um, there's a Spanish guy, by the way, not German. Um, that just blew my mind. And I'm actually, I want to go back. Uh, so my girlfriend and I are talking that we want to go back to that part of the world and fellow Australia and see more of it. Um, for me, yeah, we did lots of, like, the other thing that blew my mind was the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you probably think, oh, no, you, every Australian goes to the Great Barrier Reef. But we did it when I was a kid, but I never dived there, scuba dived. I spent a lot of money to go to Maldives only 12 or so months ago. Spent a lot of money to do a lot of diving there. And then I went to the Great Barrier Reef and I went, this is better. <laughs> and it's a fraction of the cost. Um, and it's just like, that. I was never sitting on this amazing boat in the middle of the Great Barrier Reef. I've just did a, a dive with sharks. And I was like, why am I not seeing more of Australia? Yeah. This is, I'm getting the same experiences, I'm meeting great people, and I'm it's in my own backyard. So that's what I'm doing now. Like I've got another holiday the Easter long weekend is coming up in about four or five weeks. And I'm thinking, what part of Australia can I go to next? When I'm hearing you talk about the last year and how you were exploring more of Australia, it makes me wonder, what do you think the biggest lesson you've learned of the past year with the pandemic in place and travel being restricted? What's the biggest lesson you've learned? One of the lessons I learned, and it's more of a personal one, was because we in, in Melbourne, where, we were, where I live, we were, we were in the world's longest lockdown during the COVID, right? There's been numerous different lockdowns. In where I was, we were in lockdown for over six months straight. We've now come out of it, which is great, but compared to the rest of the world, you guys come in and out of lockdowns. And what it's taught me is I can sit around and do nothing if I want to. <laughs> I love and so I had six months of just, I painted. I cleaned it. I'm, I'm gardening now. I've now got a little garden. Um, I'm collecting succulents. So I've found these skills and little passions of mine that I never realized I did. Um, that's from a personal perspective. Yeah. And the other thing is, like I, like I touched on before, is, is Australia has everything that you need as well, which is good. This feels like a bit of an Australian travel podcast now. Um, sign me up, sign me up. I'll listen twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's taught me that our own backyard and we've got everything we need. And as in Australia, we are very self-sufficient as well. We've got everything we need in our own country, which is great as well. When it comes to travel for me, one of the things I love most is the uncertainty. Uncertainty in so many ways is a negative connotation. People want things. They want to know the answers. You always want to know how long, how far. Humans are naturally curious, but also naturally not patient. Like you said, they're impatient, always looking. I love the uncertainty, and I love that travel brings education. It brings adventure, but it also brings opportunity. What about you? What do you feel you appreciate and respect most about the uncertain aspects that come with travel knowing that across that horizon who the heck knows what's over there i i, I love taking risks <laughs> um that's for me and you're right traveling is like that so sometimes i know i said earlier that i'm a planner I do a lot of spreadsheets but there's often a lot of times i don't plan anything i'll just rock up to somewhere and just just go for a walk 
I don't know what's around the corner. And, and I do a lot of walking. I do an average of 20 Ks a day when I'm traveling. Um, I, I don't mind, like I don't mind a bit of, I, I don't mind gambling, right? Like a bit of sports gambling occasionally. And that's like the same thrill as traveling sometimes. You're betting on something and you don't know the outcome. Um, you could lose, you could win, but calculated risks are the best. And so you go, you know what? I'm not gonna die from this, but let's just see what happens. Um, so if someone says something to me, I'm gonna say yes. Just don't say no. Um, and don't let people change your mind. So many people say to me, when I booked like North Korea or Bangladesh going, don't go, don't go, don't go. I'm like, no, don't, don't listen to those people. You just gotta say yes and go with your heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Luke. Stop what you're doing and give him a follow on Instagram, luke.travels.the.world. One of the most interesting people that I follow. And for the second half of our conversation, we talk a little bit more rapid fire about some of his experiences and what he appreciates most about uncertainty. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.